0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am so excited. We have just passed our three year mark. September 30th, uh, which actually was National Podcast Day, uh, was actually the third anniversary of this show. And so I am really excited. Uh, If you listened to the last episode, episode 293, which makes this 294. If you listen to 293, it was sort of my happy birthday episode, and uh, you'll know that I talked about how somehow in the back of my mind, Three hundred episodes was like this magic number, or thereabouts, not exactly three hundred, but somewhere in the ballpark of where we are now was when this show was really gonna get good. Cause there had to be the experience under my belt. And I don't know if that was a limiting thought that's been holding me back, but but I already feel that it's starting today, moving forward, you need to fashion your seatbelts because we're gonna have some great shows. So first I gotta start off by thanking the sponsor of this episode, or one of the two, and the first sponsor is the potential. Mastermind Project. It's a group coaching program that is actually my own program. So yeah, I'm sponsoring my own podcast, but it's a worthy sponsor for the listeners of this show because this show is called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And if you're listening, I assume that you're an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, a business leader, or someone with a big dose of entrepreneurial spirit who wants to do more in your career. And I know in my soul that everyone has potential. And yet most of the people who I talk to feel there's a gap between their potential and the results they're experiencing and that is why I created the potential mastermind project and now is the best time to get involved it is perfect just go over to potentialmastermind.com and you will find out all the information you need now a program like this isn't for everybody and there's a lot of choices out there where you can get involved in somebody's group But if this is right for you, check it out at PotentialMastermind.com, and I would love to have you join the ongoing conversation. We have a really cool and mighty group of people, and uh, I'd love to have you be part of it. So today's episode, I'm really excited. It's an episode, uh, I recently had the honor of being on the faculty at a a program, a, a weekend seminar called The New Media Summit. And I met a whole bunch of really cool entrepreneurs while I was there, and I'm gonna have about 10 of them on the show over the next couple of months. And today is the first interview with somebody who I met at this seminar in San Diego, and that is Natalie Perkins. Now, Natalie owns Bella Ballerina, and it is a boutique, franchise children's dance studio. She lives in North uh, Northern California, but she's franchising Bella Ballerina all over the country and maybe beyond. We'll find that out. But I think it's cool that she has just taken, you know, her love of dance and created something. If you're a parent, you know why dance studios can be such an important part of your life. And so I want to hear all about her business, how she got started, and I know she's going to have some great value for all of you who listen to the show. So Natalie, welcome To cool things entrepreneurs do.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and also very honored to be like the first one after your birthday, right? So happy birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, three
0: years and uh, almost 300 episodes. I've missed a couple of episodes along the way. Somebody said to me, how can you be three years old twice a week and not be at 306? And I said, oh, (laughs) you people who do math, you (laughs) math people whatever I missed a couple of episodes but over three years I've only missed a few so that's that's pretty good I think I've that's only missed pretty about good record, 10, yeah <laughs> yeah in three years so anyway tell us about Bella ballerina
1: yeah so Bella ballerina was sort of born out of you know me not having a solution to my own problem um we were my I had a daughter who was two and a half at the time and I always danced you know growing up and taught dance growing up and so when When I had a toddler, I was like, okay, this is happening. And uh, (laughs) we put her in dance and it just wasn't what I was looking for. And then when I went out into the marketplace, there wasn't really any solution exactly like I was looking for, much like the program I grew up in. So we just, we decided to go for it and start our own studio um, I was trying to start actually a totally different business at the time. And the startup capital was like $600,000 and nobody was giving me $600,000. So <laughs> this was a much better solution. for what, me. <laughs> what kind of business were you trying to start? I was actually attempting to start, which it actually doesn't even exist in that area anymore or at all still. And I really wish somebody would still do this. Um, it's a, it was a pregnancy spa and imaging center. So like the three and four D sonograms that you see, mm-hmm. um, offering those services and then pairing it with prenatal, postpartum, spa services, workshops, photography, like everything, a pregnant woman or somebody who just had a baby could ever want. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, my, my mother-in-law does pregnancy massage. She specializes in that. She's a massage therapist. Yes, it,
1: that's exactly the type of services this, that place would offered. Yeah, yeah. She's
0: actually in your neck of the woods. She's in Los Gatos, California. And,
1: uh, Oh yeah. Okay. That's super close to me. <laughs> yeah. And, and,
0: and I always thought that's a weird thing to specialize in, but she said, you'd be surprised how many repeat clients that come to her and how many doctors send the people to that. So it could have been a, a, a good business path for you. However, clearly you found something better and you found something that really worked for you. So, so how did you get started?
1: Yeah, so like I said, you know, we were kind of like stuck on this other business idea, but it just wasn't happening because the startup capital wasn't there. And I had had my daughter enrolled in dance at the time. And, you know, it just like her class was fun. It just wasn't, she wasn't really learning anything. And on the opposite end of the spectrum, every other kind of gig in town was like super strict. It just wasn't what we were looking for. So we decided to just go for it. The startup capital was a lot lower. <laughs> and we knew going into it, you know, they're like, even little things like the way that the business runs that other potential business idea would have been a lot of technology. And I was working already in an industry that had a lot of technology management happening, you know, just like, the more moving parts and pieces that you have, the harder it is sometimes. So I was like the most technology that's going to happen in a dance studio is like, a laptop computer, an iPod, and a coffee maker. That's right. Yeah. I was going to say har-
0: hardwood floors was, and some bars I was on the all wall.
1: About that, yeah. So <laughs> I was totally ready to sign on for something like that. So we we decided to move forward with the intention, really, of building many many studio spaces and or franchising it from the very beginning, and knowing that we just want to be like easily duplicated. Mm-hmm. You know, very very easy to just build out a space super fast in this way, have it look and feel the same, and just sort of move forward and do it fast.
0: So what led you to wanting to be an entrepreneur? I mean, you'd already started down that path. I mean, had had you been entrepreneurial before? What did you do before you got to this stage of life? Did you have a corporate job? What did you do previously? Yeah,
1: I was actually, I, I really managed uh, service-based businesses. So I was in a couple different industries, one of them being the salon and spa industry, the other one being pediatric dentistry, which I know sounds totally different, but they're very similar. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> they're all service-based. You sure. know, it's all about... The experience that people are having during whatever service, you know, the course of steps that they see from the time they schedule an appointment, show up, all of that. And, um, you know, when I was working for somebody else and and that was fine. Um, But, you know, my dad was an entrepreneur. He he owned his own business my entire life. And so I saw that. I saw the benefits of that. I saw the drawbacks of that. And I still was like totally cool with it. Um, And I also, you know, had my daughter. She's a toddler. And I wanted more time with her. And I knew that working for myself was just going to happen eventually. You know, I'd always had a lot of business ideas. And my husband, I think, was just he was going crazy. He's like, OK, just pick one and run with it, please. Yeah. You know? Come on,
0: Natalie, whatever. Now is, now, is he an entrepreneur or does he work in corporate America?
1: He, he's not, he's, he's sort of like, you know, the steady hold down a job guy, like for, he works for the federal government. So I don't know how much more like concrete.
0: <laughs> yeah. But, that. but for those of us who are entrepreneurs, thank God for a spouse like that. Right. It's like, right.
1: Someone... <laughs> exactly. Because he has been such an, a huge part of us building our business. He's been there every step of the way, always been really involved, but more importantly, incredibly supportive, like so supportive. Um, in fact, he's like the one who usually is pushing me to, to, you know, to take it further, to go, you know, take it to the next level. So,
0: so how many years ago did you open the first Bella Ballerina?
1: 2011. Okay. So only six years ago. But, but no, but that
0: you made it through that first, you know, that first three to five years is the, is the toughest. Oh, right?
1: absolutely. And yeah. And we grew really quickly. Like we had, we opened our first store in 2011. We opened two con- stores in the two consecutive years and then we started franchising, and building that that programming almost immediately. So it's only been six years, but now at the end of this year, we'll be up to seven stores. Sure, that's awesome, that's awesome. Mm -hmm.
0: And and I imagine the sky's the limit.
1: Yeah, it's really, I mean, quite honestly, we have not advertised like a lick for, for (laughs) for our franchise opportunities and we'll have these seven stores by the end of the year. So now kind of moving into this next phase and really telling people that this is an opportunity for them, um, it's really exciting for me. And, and I would imagine that as long
0: as people continue to have kids, there is still going to be some clientele coming your way.
1: Uh, absolutely. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I have, I have two daughters and, and neither of them were, you know, huge into dance, but both of them went through some level of, you know, young childhood dance, whether it was, yes. uh, you know, ballet or jazz or, or whatever. And, uh, uh, I do know that, you know, some of the parents, some of them are really into it. I mean, it's like it be- takes over their whole life. I mean, are you one of these studios that puts on really large recitals and things like that? What's what's the what's your niche?
1: So I'm glad you asked that. Our niche is really narrow, actually. It's a lot of studios are like everything to everybody. And we are not. <laughs> we have a lane that we stay in. And that <laughs> lane is 18 months to eight years old. Awesome. So we yeah, we're a studio. We offer, you know, classes where the kids come once a week they take ballet, jazz, and tap all in the same class. And that's kind of where we live. We're a recreational studio. So we don't do competitions. We don't do, you know, these crazy things. So we kind of avoid the whole dance mom crowd, (laughs) if you will. Um, But it's really fun because everything stays so positive. And we do have huge recitals, you know, everybody participates and it's such a rewarding experience, especially for the kids.
0: Are those Uh, like the Saturday and like a high school gym and everybody comes and brings the grandparents and things like that?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, so that
0: is, that is awesome. Can I let you in on a secret? Yeah. I hated that. I'm the worst parent ever. Like the kid, we were told you know the kids can't leave early. Everybody have say. We were trying to figure out how do we sneak out the back. How do we get out the back door after our kid danced?
1: Well, I'll tell you, dance recitals have a horrible reputation. And actually, there's even a Jimmy uh, Jimmy Kimmel skit about how horrible they are when his daughter went to dance because she got on stage and totally just cried and didn't dance. <laughs> but I will tell you, we're we're out to change that because because we do see such young kids. You know, our recitals are like. No more than an hour long. Oh, There's not even time for okay. an intermission. It's like boom, boom, boom. Get you in, get you out. You know, do the thing there, make it an event. But like these kids are going to bed at eight o'clock. We can't be there all day. <laughs> so,
0: so, so now that you've been up and running for over six years, and you're building this, and you're taking it to the next level with the franchises, what is the part that you absolutely love about the life of an entrepreneur?
1: Oh, um, you know, it's. It is a lot of what I wanted from the get-go, you know, really like the flexibility in my own personal schedule, like the thought of never having to ask somebody to take a vacation day or worry about how many I have or, you know, and I am, you know, here when my daughter gets home from school, I'm, I'm the one bringing her to dance, you know, (laughs) I'm, I'm there for everything she needs. So that part of it has been really awesome with, in a business sense, more so just than never getting bored. Like, man, from the time we started to now, We've done so many different things and had so many different things in the work. My work is n- always changing, so I never get bored, and that was always my fear going into it because i got gotten bored in all my other positions. It was like, you know, I- I've just not gotten bored with this, so uh, that's really exciting for me.
0: <laughs> so, but are there ever days where there's some parts you don't love? Are there ever days you think, gosh, if I could go back and manage that pediatric dental office, yes. life would be so much easier?
1: Yeah. And and not really even so much to like that particular job, but just, you know, it's funny because I tell people who are interested in becoming an entrepreneur and making that leap. And they say, well, what's the hardest part of that? It's that nobody tells you, you know, that that those things that you want and the things that you don't want happen in the same moments of every day. So I wanted, you know, to be with my daughter more and I wanted flexibility in my schedule and I wanted to be an entrepreneur. But in my head, that was a really pretty picture. In reality, (laughs) those things are like, Happening at the same time. I thought they were going to be, you know, exclusive of each other because <laughs> <laughs> you're used to like going to an office and not having your kids there. And for me, now I was like creating computer graphics and trying to stave off a kid with boogers on their face. Right. So,
0: if, and if a tantrum happens when a client is in the door, the tantrum absolutely. is happening while the client's there.
1: Oh, absolutely. I was actually, when we first opened, I answered the phones for our business and it was literally a cell phone, you know, and calls coming in. And I remember many times, like literally running away from my toddler and my dog to my <laughs> master bathroom and like shutting the door just to have like a quiet conversation. So they didn't think I was at my house. <laughs> oh, not
0: <know? laughs> the glamorous life of the entrepreneur.
1: Exactly. I've answered many calls sitting on the toilet, I'm sure, you know, like fully <laughs> closed, but just to get away from. The sound. <laughs> well, but
0: you bring up a really interesting point because I've been working for myself now for eight years as well. And, you know, I make my living as a professional speaker and a professional master of ceremonies. And so I go to conferences and I travel a lot and it looks really glamorous. People on Facebook are like, oh, wow, you're in Boston, you're in Chicago, and you're in Orlando. But yes. you know the flip side of that is I'm gone 120 nights from my family, and yeah. sometimes my wife can come with me. She actually came with me to San Diego when I was on the panel uh, where I met you last week. But mm-hmm. I was at the conference all day, so you know how cool she got to come with me. She had to go find a friend who she knew who lived and have lunch and go to a museum, and you know. Go read her book at, you know, sitting on, sitting by the lagoon or something like the hotel or whatever. But so it's not necessarily like, oh, how cool you get to travel with your spouse. It's like, hi, yeah. we've arrived. Now I'm going to go work and you can go play. Um, oh, yeah. But we did have dinners both nights with friends and it worked out, worked out really well. But, you know, one of the things when people ask me specifically about being a speaker, but really about anything is, you know, they only see from the outside looking in those, those bright spots. So you bring up some really interesting points that the, the negative sides are sort of intertwined with it.
1: Oh yeah. I think it's sort of like the, the whole, you know, this is how we live right now in this sort of culture is, you know, Facebook, Instagram, like you're, you're seeing this cultivated, you know, picture of somebody's life and you are seeing only those bright, shiny spots that look really pretty and nobody's ever talking about or posting about like their worst day you know, their worst moment. And it's just, I think it's really important before you make that leap to talk to somebody who's walked the road so that they can give you encouragement, but they can also tell you like, hey, watch out for these potholes, you know, because, (laughs) it's really helpful to have that advice too.
0: So that's a perfect segue to the next question and that is what advice do you have for people who who want to become an entrepreneur. And and let's let's take it micro. If somebody wants to open up either a franchise of of Bella ballerina or they want to just open a dance studio or some sort of a child children's oriented service play fun mm-hmm. thing, what advice do you have for
1: them? Well, the first thing I would say is you know that relationship no matter if you're getting into a franchise, you know, or if you're opening up your own thing, that relationship with either that franchisor or with that business concept is something you're going to have to really live with for a long time. And so again, my, my hesitation in doing it was that I would get bored, you know? And so, or, you know, if you're getting in, in, you know, intertwined with a franchise company, like you want to make sure that that's a really good fit for you because that's, that's what you're going to live and breathe for like however many years you're going to do this. Um, and also, you know, that being said, you know, do your due diligence and research, but don't don't take forever to do it. I mean, kind of, you know, it's kind of like, what are you waiting for? And that's really what my husband was saying, you know, he's like, you have all these great business ideas, like just pick one. Otherwise you're going to be driving yourself crazy about it forever. Like you have to move forward to do anything to, because otherwise you're just stuck in that same spot. You know, you have to make a move at some point. I see a lot of people who are just not ready and you can't push somebody to be an entrepreneur or to take that step. But if you're if you're ready and just like make a move, you know, um, the other thing I tell people kind of on a more macro level is, you know, when it comes to working for yourself, know what you're good at and know what you like to do, because the things that you're good at and the things that you like to do are the things that you'll excel at and things that you hate to do. Like I particularly like hate accounting. And so I just, that's the thing that would like totally fall off the map, but it's a really important part of your business. (laughs) So the things that you're not good at, you know, hire somebody else to do that piece of it. Yeah. I took too
0: long. I took too long to get a bookkeeper and it's not even expensive. I mean, I have a small, I have a little bit, I don't even have as many moving parts as you do. I have a little business. And finally I've hired somebody and quarterly, she reconciles everything. It's like, Oh, next year's taxes are going to be so much better than every other year because I don't have to go to my accountant with like, ah, the big pile of crap.
1: Exactly. Yes. I mean, it's just know what you're good at, you know, and, and usually what you're good at is what you enjoy working on. And those other things like, don't feel like you have to do everything yourself, you know, sub out some of that work and, um, and you'll be better off for it really.
0: So how important is networking to an entrepreneur? I mean, how important I mean, obviously you have your husband and all that, but how important is like having a relationship with your community?
1: for us, incredibly important. And really, on, again, kind of like two levels, because we operate our our individual stores on a very local level. So, myself and our teachers, you know, networking with other business owners to, you know, kind of help cross-promote each other, um, families, you know, just to refer each other, that's incredibly important. Um, But also, for me, networking on a more national level to, you know, kind of get you know, networking like with you to be able to be on your show and even, you know, have these awesome conversations and share with, you know, your listeners, the opportunities that we might have for them, like all it kind of plays in both ways. And it's, it's really the only way to effectively grow your business. If you don't ever network with anybody or tell anybody else what you do and, and kind of have that back and forth, you you stay where you are, you know, you just, it's an integral part of what you have to do.
0: Well, I always remind people that a like a link, a share and a follow doesn't really mean a business relationship or a business reputation. So you still have exactly. to get face to face with people. Absolutely. Hey, I have a few more questions for you before I can let you go. But first I have to thank the other sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound oh, amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Natalie Perkins. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Natalie, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What is the coolest thing you're doing with your business right now?
1: Well, I thought a lot about this question <laughs> when I saw it because I—it's um, it's sometimes when you're an entrepreneur, it's—it's it's hard to like stay excited about the same, you know, the stuff that you do because you're always trying to move on to bigger and better things. I think something cool that we're doing is actually very simple. It's we're expanding, you know, our products and services and things, but we're staying in our lane. And I think that's really cool because there's a lot of companies out there, a lot of, you know, coaches or this and that. And I see them diversifying, but they are all over the place. And I mean, it's <laughs> it's okay, but, you know, like we're staying in our lane, you know, we're staying focused, we're staying in our lane. And I think that ultimately that's what's going to bring us, you know, our next kind of round of successful um, services or whatever we're offering. So I think it's actually pretty cool. For me, it's cool because I'm sort of, I I do feel like, oh my gosh, shiny ball syndrome. Squirrel, look over there. (laughs) So for me, staying in my lane is like really a huge accomplishment. (laughs) And I actually think that's a really cool part of our business. We're growing, but really within the, the realm of what we already do.
0: Yeah, no, and in fact, uh, this previous episode to this one, 293, I got to tell you, I talked about sort of the five things I've noticed having interviewed now, 250 really cool entrepreneurs, and one of the things that has come up time and time again, and I've learned from running my own business and from having this podcast, the number one thing on that list was focus, and it was being able to stay focused and not go, hey, squirrel, and chase every other thing that sort of comes up. Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah, because I think you're right. Like, when you're an entrepreneur, you have this... It's almost like a, I don't want to say it doesn't matter what industry you're in, but it almost doesn't matter what industry you're in or what business you're running. You are, you're drawn to growing things. You're drawn to problem solving. And so you see this like small opening and even, I mean, even this past weekend, we were at the new media summit. It was about podcasting. You see this, the small opening. You're like, Oh, but I could start a podcast. Oh, but I could do this. I could do that. And you really have to really like weed through and be able to turn that off. Um, to focus. And it's hard. Well, and it's really hard.
0: In my business, you see it a lot with speakers and I call them comma people. They're a speaker, comma, coach, comma, consultant, (laughs) comma, author, comma, podcaster, comma, you know, and it's like, and they put it all on their business card. And so, like, if you were to look at my my business card, it's got my name, it's got my photo, because I am the product, it's got my logo, and it's got tomsinger.com and and my contact information. It does not have all the different little things I do because you know, otherwise people look at it and go, Well, what are you? You know, so sometimes you can even do some other things, but you gotta be careful on your marketing not to become a comma person so that it looks like you're a jack of all trades and master of none. Oh, and exactly. So-
1: when your when your business card or your website looks like the cheesecake factory <laughs> menu, it's got eight bazillion <laughs> things on it, like it's just, yeah, it's almost like that's too much. I can't imagine that you do all of those well, you know? <laughs>
0: that's, I'm going to use that line, and I may or may not remember to give you credit. If, you, if your business <laughs> looks like the Cheesecake Factory me- menu, that's fantastic. What a great I'm analogy. always
1: determined to find the one thing on that menu where they're you go to order it, and they're like, oh, actually, we don't have all the ingredients <laughs> for
0: that. <laughs> that's right. Well, probably it's probably half the things. People probably just order, like, burgers, fries, and cheesecake. Exactly. (laughs) So maybe the fish tacos, but beyond that, I don't know. Hey, uh, so I always like to ask the people who come on this show, because I think great entrepreneurs, I think think we're observers, right? We're always watching other people, especially if you're a person who's always getting ideas or looking for ideas. So I love to ask the people who come on this show, who's another entrepreneur that you see out there? And some people say they're local dry cleaners. Some people say Elon Musk. Some people come up with anything in between. Who's somebody who you look at and say, yeah – that person's doing something cool.
1: Yeah, I really, I'm a big fan of, um, of a couple like, you know, mom entrepreneurs. One of them is um, Dana Mastoff, who was at our event this last weekend. The other one is Nikki Elge Brown. And I'm really drawn to them because they both are cultivating these really focused communities um, of mostly like women and moms who, you know, are, wanting to are already in business, but Nikki Ellis Brown, she, she's really, I think I'm also drawn to her cause she's a phenomenal copywriter. And so everything she writes <laughs> sounds so amazing, <laughs> but she's very transparent, you know? And so she, she does a, you know, a little bit of like coaching and things like that, but all of her coaching is like very, you know, she'll be the first one to make a video to tell you how she doesn't have it all together you know, even in business and how everything looks really polished on the outside, but here's where she struggles with. And, you know, it's really just um, something I think everybody can really wrap their head around really well when they're sort of in that position. Um, But I really appreciate like the message that these, that these ladies send and like the communities that they're building are just really, really amazing. Um, And like, they're not even in my industry necessarily, but we have a lot of the same audience, you know?
0: Sure. Sure. Hey, my last question that I ask the people who come on the show, and I just love this one, and that is, what do you do to give back to the greater good? Because I think that entrepreneurs want to do more than make money. I, th- I think they want to leave a mark behind on, on our society. So I love to hear how entrepreneurs are involved in charity and philanthropy. So so what do you do?
1: Yeah. Well, we've been doing something for years that I actually just heard Jay Wong, like he articulated it very well. What, was, what I, my concept is in my head is that you know you don't it's really hard to change the world on a massive scale you know a really really massive scale but what's more important and we should kind of be focusing on is changing the world of the people immediately around us mm. because it's not always about you know making big strides you know in a public nature sometimes it's about making a big impact in one person's life and that sort of ripple effect just sort of goes a long way so you know, we have always been really focused on giving back to charities that are very local because we know that they're the things that are really close to the heart of, you know, our actual individual clients and their families. And so, you know, we've worked with charities like the Children's Hospital in D.C., where our studios are close to. We've worked with Smashing Walnuts, which is which is a cancer research um, uh, charity for kids um, in the Northern Northern Virginia area. So really, really localized um you know, charity is really what's important to us versus being like, hey, we've given, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to this national campaign. We want to we want to give back to the to the charities that are important to our customers. Mm-hmm.
0: I think that's wonderful. And I think that is true because, you know, it's kind of one of those things that also when you're a small business you're you're not gonna have global impact necessarily early on. So it's being able to do those things that that happen nearby, you can make a difference. I've I've found that even just as a solopreneur, that what I do is is I created two little funds at two children's hospitals, one in San Diego, where my daughter Kate was operated on 15 years ago, and mm-hmm. the other here in Austin where we live. And I just give a little piece of every speaking fee that I have, whether it's a small group that I'm speaking to or whether it's a large conference, we just give a couple little percentage points. It doesn't add up, you know, they're $50 checks, $75 checks, $200 checks. But over the last now coming up on 10 years, it's almost $70,000.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. And it's, it's crazy how things like that add up. And I honestly, even for a small business, like, it doesn't even have to be, you know, partnering with a nonprofit. Sometimes it can just be doing things out of the kindness of your heart for no reason. So like, when we have a family, obviously, we're a we're a business that we have lots of young families, coming through our doors and we find out that one of our dancers is going to be a sibling. Like we send that g- family a gift. It's just, you know, I mean, it's not like saying, Oh, Hey, here's a gift. And you know, here's an offer. It's just, here's a gift from us because you're important to us, you know, and to us, that's a way to give back to their family and thank them for being a part of our studio family. And I think of that as, you know, as a business, small business owner, you don't have to go, you know, like I said give greasy amounts of money in charity. It can be something little or it can just be a small gesture You know, we can really make their day.
0: And and if you do it over a lifetime of your business, I call it compounded generosity that, and it doesn't have to be money. It can be money. It can be time. It can be good vibes and support. If you do that, I think that it adds up over time and it, it builds a social capital that you can't even put a price tag on and you don't do it. Oh, I do it. So I'll get business. But, you know, I, I don't come from a family who has their name on the walls of hospitals. And yet we have a plaque on the wall of the hospital. It's called the Kate Singer Endowment for Cranial Facial Surgery and Research. And my brother asked me one time, how did you ever, how did that happen? And I said, <laughs> we just did little tiny things over a decade and we tracked them. And the hospitals tracked them and, you know, they're like, wow, how do we get other entrepreneurs to pledge a tiny, tiny percent over, you know, decades? Because if you walked in or I walked into any hospital or any charity and said, here's $70,000, they'd go, "Bah," you know, but I came in and said, I'm going to give you like a $25 check and someday it's going to be more. And a lot of charities would have been like, oh, that's just paperwork, you know, whatever. They were like, yeah, I'll play this game and let's see where it goes. And now they're like, how do we get 100 of you? That would be awesome. So Exactly. You know, it really does add up and like you said, it doesn't have to be dollars. It's the little gestures, it's the good vibes, it's the support of the families in the community that, you know, they remember that so that's Yep, it.
1: absolutely. It's it is you're right. Social capital is like the exact right words for it. People appreciate it more than anything when you give to something that means means something to them, you know? And
0: and I love it when I talk to entrepreneurs and almost everybody I talk to has sort of that giver's heart. They want to find a way to give back. And everybody does it in different ways and there's no right way or wrong way, but I love talking to people like you about about this attitude because it makes me feel like the world's in good hands. We're going we're going good. We're going we're going good directions. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, so if somebody listens to this and they're like, I have to know more about this Natalie person, or if they're like, Oh my God, I've been searching for a franchise and I used to dance and I love young children and this is my dream come true, how do they find information about you and your company?
1: Well, they can visit Bella Ballerina Franchise dot com. And if they go to Bella Ballerina Franchise dot com slash cool things, they'll actually have give them like a little quiz to figure out if our business is something that is a good opportunity for them.
0: That's awesome. That's bellaballerina.com slash cool things. Absolutely. Awesome. I love that. Well, Natalie, thank you so much for being a guest here on the show. It was so delightful to meet you last week, and I'm glad you agreed to, to just jump on a call. I said, hey, I have some time. And your answer was yes. And I love it when entrepreneurs just say yes. Some people are like, well, how about if we do it in January of 2019? And other people are like, let's do the show, man. And I really appreciate that. So thank you for being here.
1: Oh, of course. Thank you so much for asking me to be here. I really appreciate it.
0: Hey, and I say it all the time to the audience, if it wasn't for y'all, we wouldn't have a show. Thank you, my friends, for for being part of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And I'd love it if you would uh, send us a tweet at Cool Podcast. Send me an email at Tom, T-H-O-M, at TomSinger.com. Or you can jump over to iTunes and leave a review because that just makes my whole day better. Now, we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Natalie. But in the meantime, you go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do Podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at Tomsinger.com and follow
1: him on Twitter at, at tom.singer.